Welcome to Franchise Fan Guys. This is our first episode on the Alien franchise. I'm Tom Breifogel, joined with Andy Schmidt and Skid Marr. How about you guys say hi? Uh, hey guys, I'm Andy. Um, and uh, in space, no one can hear me scream. Hey, uh, I'm Skid Marr, and uh, I, I don't know. I'm an alien. I don't know. Andy, the last couple of times, Andy's taken a, a play on my thing, and I can't do my thing. I had a thing planned. We should. I don't like to like a, a, a talk about it ahead of time because I want everyone to be as surprised as the audience will be. But it's we gotta find a new method because you keep. Anyway, that's good. Yeah, my my goal in life is to just screw you up, and so uh, yeah, game over, man. Game yeah. over. There you go. Doing a great job so far. Franchise fan guys. <laughs> So Aliens Rated R came out in 1979, directed by Ridley Scott, screenplay by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Chusett, starring Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, Ian Holm, John Hurt, Veronica Cartwright. Had a budget of $11 million, domestic gross of $79 million, and international gross, uh, it says N.A., so we don't know that. The Rotten Tomatoes critic score is 98, and the audience score of 94. Aliens was released seven years later in 1986, also rated R, this time directed by James Cameron, screenplay by James Cameron, Walter Hill, and David Geiler, starring Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean, Lance Hendrickson, and Bill Paxton. I'm sure I'm messing up the pronunciate pronunciations of a lot of those names. But <laughs> I think you've got most of them, actually. You've added a couple of consonants in there that don't maybe belong, but otherwise very good. <laughs> All right. That one had a budget of 18.5 million, domestic gross of 85 million, uh, international gross for that one. Also, we have an NA. It also has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 98 and an audience score of 94, so the exact same as the first one. Then Alien 3 came out in 1992, rated R, directed by David Fincher, screenplay by Vincent Ward, who uh, provided the story, then Walter Hill, David Geiler, and Larry Ferguson. Starring Sigourney Weaver, Charles S. Dutton, Charles Dance, and Brian Glover. This one had a budget of $50 million and a domestic gross of $55 million. The Rotten Tomatoes critic score fell hard to 48, and the audience score is 46. Alright, so we've already discussed the first two installments in previous episodes, so we'll look at things a little different this time. What are the essential ingredients to the first Alien film? Andy? Well, I do think it's probably worth, uh, and I, I think in a previous episode we did go over this, but um, what was, like, I know for Skid and me, we saw these a long time ago, but what was what was your first uh, viewing of these, um, Tom? Like, and, and what was your, like, sort of gut reaction to them? So about a year ago, we did those Bright, we did uh, live events on Bright. Uh, that was my first time seeing any of these. My initial reaction... I might lose some friends here, but my initial reactions were I would have never, ever made it through one of the movies unless it was an assignment. Wow. So it's homework. Okay. All right. (laughs) So, so (laughs) did you watch, did you watch Alien 3 for the first time for, for, for this, like, like in the last week or so? No. And we did bright. We watched them all for that. We did did? everything except Alien versus Predator. Those are the only ones I haven't seen. Okay. Yeah. And wow, homework. So honestly, I mean, they're okay. I, here's the thing. I do like Alien 1, but you can watch it. If you set your speed to double, it's still a slow-paced movie. Okay. All right. I enjoy it. 
I do think it could be an episode of Black Mirror. It could be 40 minutes. Yeah, sure. There is a, there is a way to do that. I would agree with you. Did you feel not, the same I'm way? Did here. you feel the same way about aliens? Because aliens, I mean, aliens has a slower pace at the beginning, um, yeah, which we've talked a little becomes, bit. But, but then it, but then it picks up quite a bit, right? Yeah, the second half of Aliens. I remember saying this a year ago. It reminds me of a predecessor to Jurassic Park, the second half of Aliens, mm. and oh, uh, yeah. and a huge predecessor to Avatar, the movie as a whole. Oh yeah, but right. uh, yeah, no, the second half of it was much more. Like a James Cameron movie. Like, it, it was obviously directed by someone else. Like Aliens? The second half of Aliens felt yes. like it was there was two different directors? The first half and the second no, half? No, no, no. Compared to the first Alien, oh, it was yeah, obvious yeah, yeah, that... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not here being a hater. I, I do like one and two, but I don't have any nostalgia, and I, I came in too late, I feel like, with, with this franchise. Yeah, I was saying that... Um, I think when we did this last time, I watched Alien with my son, who's 15, and then uh, just last night we watched Aliens. Now I did make him watch the special edition or director's cut, which is longer. Which I kind of told him I was like, "It's going to be a little bit slower than you want." Um, and for the first, almost about the first half of it, he was uh, I, he he liked it, but it was it was slow, and he was like, "Yeah, we could probably take a break." And then last night we we watched pretty much from when the action starts to the end, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, the second half was 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 much better." Um, for him, you know, but you know, I think both alien, well, actually I think all three of the ones that we're talking about today, alien, aliens and alien three, I think they get, I think they get better on subsequent viewings. Like you just see more, you pick up more and, and everything from like an aliens, like there's a lot of like quick dialogue that like, you don't necessarily catch or, you know, think is funny or whatever the first time to like really like nuanced things that you kind of miss and stuff like that. I <clears throat> but I think that's part of what makes this franchise. I think that's one of the reasons why as a franchise, the alien franchise is kind of, at least it was, they keep making not great sequels. Um, spoiler alert. And, um, <clears throat> but like it, it was kind of held up as like one of the best franchises because I think those movies are so well made and they, 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 they work on a, on a on multi multiple levels like there's the surface level there's the action there's the horror the intrigue whatever but then there's some really great character work and there are some you know some stuff going on thematically and stuff like that that i think it works it's layered and so they tend to hold up on repeat viewings the way that you know like you know slasher franchises tend not to you kind of you kind of get it on the first viewing for the most part generalizing here I know slashers are your thing, Tom, so. <laughs> no. All right, Not Tom really. craps on a movie you love. You can crap on something he loves now. See how he likes it. Now, Yeah, now I will crap on everything you love, Tom. This is my new mission in life, not just stepping on Skid's intros. Um, yeah. Wow, that's, that's really interesting, though, but I think, I think it makes sense. Like, you know, like I was saying, like when, um, you know, watching it with my son, like, it's just different sensibilities today. Like... We expect things to be faster paced and we expect them to, you know, it's like, I, I feel like I have to give like a preamble when I watch something with Kale sometimes of like, okay, it's going to take a little time for you to, you know, if you're not like super engaged in the first five minutes, like give it time. <laughs> yeah. We haven't made it through the opening credits yet. This ain't one of your TikToks, son. Yeah. Have you yeah. guys seen Dark Star? I watched Dark Star again last night, actually. No way. Really? 
Yeah. Oh, I totally did. Yeah. Oh. Because because you know Dan O'Bannon was wrote it and was in it and yeah I was uh, I, yeah. yeah I watched it again last night on Pluto TV. I just saw it a few months ago. I, I know he didn't direct this, but I think it's pretty amazing that from Dark Star to Alien was like only five years. Like what a fast trajectory. Oh yeah. Well, the Dark Star. Dark Star was a movie. It was, I think, it was John Carpenter's first movie that he made with yeah. Dan O'Bannon, who wrote the original uh, screenplay for Alien. Um, and uh, it was, it was, it was a student film. It was like a master's thesis at USC that kind of got out of hand and ended up being uh, shown theatrically and everything. And it's this cult favorite sci-fi movie, and it's pr- I think it's pretty great like i i really like the movie a lot um and actually fun fact you know who it was that actually hipped me to dark star in the first place the first person who told me to watch it was uh garth ennis he was just like oh mate there's this movie you ever seen dark star is this a cult sci-fi movie he's like yeah oh, no i never heard of it okay so i rented it and watched it. i was like man you're again spot on with the movie rex uh, garth um but uh no i but i i love it and it's it's funny it's like a lot of the concepts that are in alien kind of got their starts their 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 nascence in yeah. in uh in dark star yeah i'm, a, a add, lot of I'm adding that to my netflix queue right now because i have not seen it <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's really great i mean it's it is incredibly low budget but it is also it's incredibly impressive what they were able to accomplish with like no budget at all and it's funny uh it's there but that was one of the things that he said was like because he'd see he'd watch audiences dan o'bannon he'd watch audiences watch watching this movie and they weren't laughing like when they were supposed to be laughing so that's the thing he would say is like if i can't make them laugh i'll scare them and so that's when he went on to do alien that's pretty fascinating all right i look forward to watching that yeah along with slipstream okay (laughs) we should we have to do a dark star episode after this what is slipstream yeah (laughs) uh slipstream is some low budget sci-fi movie with mark hamill that gets made fun of a lot so oh okay I think I think I need to watch it. It's been added to my list. Like I've got a friend in town that like texted me about it yesterday, or not yesterday, but like a week or so ago, and and was just like, "How did we not know this existed?" And so we're we're planning to watch it together. All right, well, let's um, do let's do Slipstream, Corvette Summer. We'll do uh, all those, we'll, and we'll do the uh, Donnie and Marie uh, Star Wars uh, musical special. Perfect <laughs> special episode. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, maybe we should get to question one, which was, what are the essential ingredients for the alien uh, f- for for the first alien film? I would say really cool sets, very space-like music without too many, like mainly done with woodwinds. I, I love the music in them. I would say very slow paced, slow build, and then very great character design for for the alien. Like without that, I, I don't know. Like. They did not mess up at all with the way the alien looks. It looks amazing. So memorable imagery, I think, is the main thing. That goes more than just the first one, but just like Alien 3 I had never seen until last year, and I remember the trailer, some of the images, I do remember vividly, like mainly the one with the alien next to her face. Oh, yeah. So just very memorable imagery, slow builds, and then 
intensity. That's what I what I'd say. What about you guys? Uh, I um, think yeah, I I would agree with all that. Go ahead, it's good. Yeah. Uh, well, claustrophobia is part of it. This sort of idea that you're you're stuck in a particular place with this horrible thing. Uh, paranoia, uh, which is something that. This was in addition to, I think, that Walter Hill and the Brandywine team made to the scripts was Ash, was the robot. And this is something that Dan O'Bannon was not a fan of. Like, Dan O'Bannon is just like, why did they put that in there? Why did they put the robot in there? He called it the Russian spy gambit. He's just like, I don't know. That's like, you could take that out of there. It's like, doesn't change anything in the movie. Uh, I hardly disagree. I think it's a very cool part of the movie. He said He said that it's... A very well-executed, well-acted, well-produced mistake. That's what he said. Um, but I, I disagree. I love having that kind of unexpected secondary threat uh, in, in the film is, like, is, is really cool. Um, yeah, the design. I love the idea. And this is one of the things that they took from this. What I wanted to talk, too, about because 1979 was such a landmark year in sci-fi. And I kind of wanted to talk about that, too. Uh, because do it. Okay, here we go. So, 1977, there was a big sci-fi movie release. I don't know if you can guess what it was. Do you guys know? Of course. Exactly. I didn't hear what you said, but I, I think you said Star Wars. So, I said, yeah. of course. <laughs> so, Star Wars came out in 1977, and. It was. It took everybody by surprise. It absolutely dominated the year of in entertainment, and the studios didn't. They they were like, well, we need more of this. The audience wants this, but they were so taken aback by Star Wars' success, they didn't have anything on the slate. So 1978 was just like, it'll, it's going to take us two years to get every, to get something like in theaters. So the first example, the 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 first sort of project to come on the tails of star wars success was actually battlestar galactica uh which was a tv tv show um but which did get a, an edit of the first episode that was played theatrically for a while so that kind of counts and then the first theatrical movie uh interestingly was buck rogers in the 25th century uh which was then made into a tv show uh both Glenn Larson. I didn't. Projects. I didn't know that had a theatrical release. I yeah, it was initially that was a, a theatrical release. I remember release, the TV yeah. show of that, but I didn't. Huh. Yeah, I did not. Yeah, know I didn't. I didn't remember it being in the theaters either. But it was. Uh, I actually, I've been listening to uh, Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery uh, have a new podcast, the Video Archives podcast. Not to pitch other podcasts while we're doing our podcast, but it's very good, and they just talk about um, their time, like working at the video store, and that's one of the, one of the things that we're talking about. So, but yeah, the 1979, you get this. The, the dam it bursts and you get star trek the motion picture you get mad max uh you get uh, uh there's a, a Moonraker, <laughs> the first like uh, sci-fi james yeah, bond movie great yeah great great <coughs> bond movie and and uh an alien <laughs> and um so this was like this wave of of new sort of sci-fi that following in Star Star Wars's footsteps, and one of the things that it takes from Star Wars is this idea of a lived-in future, something that that actually really is sort of pioneered by Dark Star <laughs> more than anything. Um, 
the sort of working class uh, space opera. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 kind of like what it. But like aesthetically, like with the design of the ship and everything, that's the feels like a lot of like what. Oh yeah. Kind of Star Wars kind of reintroduced, or introduced. Um, so yeah, there's that, and uh, and yeah, like you can't, like Tom said, like you cannot discount the importance of the creature design by H.R. Giger. Like that was something that people like he was a known quantity sort of at that point hr giger living in switzerland but like he wasn't famous and like this is something that people by and large hadn't been introduced here introduced to was his very bizarre sensibility and that was you know and you know it takes a lot there's, there's some like jaws in there too it's just like not really seeing you never really seeing a getting a good look of the creature and having it sort of exist in like mist and shadow for so much of the movie is uh, is so effective. So uh, and then the idea of the sort of corporate overlord with ill intent that has like that has an agenda that puts your heroes at risk. Uh, that's that's very important. And too. man, that resonates today. In a way that I'm not sure it did as much even in 1979, but yeah, man, certainly more, like even more today than, than it did today. Then, yeah. yeah, I was just read. I was just reading about how, uh, like, how we've like as society, we have just been lowering the bar on layoffs on like how they're done, so that now it's just like a mass email. Like, you no longer have a job here, and you're locked out of your <laughs> corporate account, and like that's it. And like, you know, I mean, I I was laid off about ten years ago, and um in a, in, you know, a mass layoff where there were like a thousand people laid off. And, uh, you know, I got, you know, went into a room, had a conversation, you know, I was thanked for my contributions and all that sort of stuff. You know, there, I got the whole, like, it's not you, it's, it's, a, it's, it's me sort of thing going on. Uh, you know, I got a nice severance package, all that kind of stuff. Like, uh, and now it's just like, you get an email, like, you know, I was reading about how, you know, employees in the tech industry right now are like, you know, they work there for a decade or two and they just get an email and it's like, you no longer work here and that's it. Uh, and yeah, it just feels like that, like corporate overlord that just doesn't give a shit about individual humans just feels more and more accurate. And maybe it's always been accurate. I don't know, but it feels more and more accurate or it's more invisible maybe i don't know yeah i think it always has been but it's definitely it seems to be getting worse and that's one of the things that's the movie is movies like this and blade runner that i've been doing a lot of work on lately just doing a, a we did a tabletop rpg playthrough of that recently for glass cannon which was amazing uh, if anyone saw that but uh yeah that's something that these movies are aging into uh, very, very presciently. And it's uh, for me, it's making them even more effective. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wish they weren't prescient about it because it sucks. No. But, no. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, they, they, seem to, they seem to be pretty spot on, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> I would actually rather deal with the literal monsters than, than the evil corporate overlords. Yeah, if, if I, I mean, that's part of the gag, the threats, right? You know, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, Ripley's like says as much. He's just like, I don't know who's worse. Like, at least you don't see them fucking each other over, each other over for a goddamn percentage. Right. Um, the only, I think the only thing that I would add to that, which I think is, I mean, I think it's a part of what you guys already said was just the, uh, uh, 
the the commitment uh, in these first three to being in the story. Right. There's mm-hmm. I don't think there's any place in the first three films where there's like a wink to the audience. Like it is all in there. And I know Ridley Scott and James Cameron have both spoken about like that was a thing. Like they didn't really want to use like turns of phrases of the time. They didn't want to date it uh, that way. Um and, you know, like, there's no callback to a line in Alien in Aliens just because it was a popular line, right? Or Alien 3, there's no callback to any of the many popular lines in Aliens. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're just, like, they just don't do that stuff. They just, they stick very much to the being in character, being in the moment, being in that situation. And I think that really helps... Um, you know, we were kind of talking about this, I think, when we were talking about Prey, you know, you were, I think, I think you, Skid, had said that you really liked, like, some of those, some of the callbacks, um, like, the if it bleeds, we can kill it callback, which, like, that took me out of the movie because I felt like, oh, now we're talking about making movies, was sort of my take on it, whereas these alien movies, these first three just stay very much in there, and there's just a commitment from clearly the entire Link crew, um to being to being there and to making it feel as real and as immersive as as they can make it so that's the only uh, but i agree with everything that you guys said and which when you when you usually when we talk about like a franchise or when i am doing an analysis on a franchise like i don't have a list that long of things that like oh there was like one movie <laughs> or there was one graphic novel or there was one whatever i don't have a list of like eight things where i'm like oh that and that and that all of those things are so strong that you have to incorporate them as part of the DNA of what this thing is. So that's like a really like impressive thing, especially for something that is essentially like a horror film that, that just picks people off one by one. I mean, this is not that different in theory from like a Friday the 13th movie where the kids, you know, wander off and, you know, one wanders off and then gets killed. Well, of course they do. And that same thing happens in Alien, but there's such a commitment to all this other stuff that I think it, that it just rises above. You know, there I'm kind of talking kind of more specifically about Alien itself, but even with all of them. But yeah, it, it's it's an impressive achievement. It's also skid. I really like the 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 context that you put on it. That like <laughs> Alien gets greenlit because they're looking for Star Wars, and there's really yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so little Star Wars. <laughs> like, yeah. was that, I wonder, like, you know, do, do you go to Ridley Scott and you're like, so we have this script. It's in space. I'd like you to make it Star Wars. And he's like, sure. Except I'm going to take everything that's Star Warsy and make sure it's not in there. Except that there's <laughs> space. <laughs> like, there's no force. There's no, like, cool lightsabers. There's no religious anything. You know, it's all, like, working class people, like we were, you were saying. Like, it's so not Star Wars. And it created this, you know, this whole other franchise, which has done quite well over the years, too. So, yeah. Fascinating stuff. But, yeah, I think that's, I think the, just listening to you guys talk, I'm just like, that is a lot of DNA that seems essential from one movie. Like, Again, and I think that's commitment to, um, to, to all that. So, like the cinematography is great. Like the, I, Tom, I think my favorite soundtrack of all of them is Jerry Goldsmith's soundtrack to Alien because of what you were saying. Like it, it feels like it sounds like the way space makes me feel when I think about it. Um, 
you know, it's kind of lonely and hollow and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really super cool. I like the soundtrack in Aliens, you know, with the James Horner stuff that gets gets going and rolling when there's action scenes <laughs> and stuff. But like, but like, I think I do like the Goldsmith one better. I've never listened to it on its own. I'm definitely going to. It is really great. It's just, it's sort of, it's so perfect for for the movie. It's just, it matches the tone and elevates it just beautifully. Yeah, it's great. It's really good. The first with Aliens, what does it add or subtract from the franchise? Does it all work within the Alien framework? What does Alien 3 add or subtract from the franchise? I, well, I did not see, I had, I had not seen Alien uh, when I first saw Aliens. I had heard of it, but there was no way that I was going to see it, uh, not for many years after that. Because, and the reason was, I, I think people who are maybe younger, like one of Andy's sons, say, or Tom, you might not really appreciate how fucking scary Alien was at the time. There was really nothing like it, and it was. This was the pinnacle of terror. This is like the scariest movie since Exorcist, like in the theater, basically. Like people were so scared, and so I was aware of this reputation. And even though I was intrigued because it was sci-fi and everything, and you know, even then, like uh, I, I love John Hurt and everything, uh, I was like, there, "There's no way." So when they were when they announced the sequel and it was coming out, it was just like, oh, the whole kind of idea is just like this is when humanity fights back. Like it's so kind of perfect for that specific point in time, you know, the mid nineteen eighties in cinema. It was this this it was the perfect moment for something something like this. It was like the this is the era of Rambo. So Yeah, it, American Machoism, it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just like, yeah, okay, great. So it's just like, just the idea of taking this horror, horrifying thing and fighting back against it uh, was something that I fell in love with. So uh, that was, I don't know, just the idea of sending trained soldiers against this thing in a movie where, you know, it, it terrorized and wiped out this crew of space janitors. I mean that's interesting. That's definitely interesting, and it's a it's a different thing. And so, what the movie do, ends up doing brilliantly is putting is is elevating the threat alongside uh, parallel to raising the capabilities of the people who are fighting it uh, in a very organic way that sort of uh, explores and explains these creatures too like it expands on their mythos while it's doing so uh so yeah watching aliens again last last night like i realized that like there really is no win at all for for the humans like no definitive like strategic or tactical or whatever win like they all they do is get their asses kicked like there's the there's the first encounter where they get where they get annihilated like half of the the marines get killed in that first encounter including Apone, which is a shame because I can listen to Apone talk like probably for days on end. It um, sucks that you, you but, lose Apone and Frost in that attack. Those are my two favorite characters. Two of the two of my three favorite characters. Yeah, Frost both, is Frost is really great. Frost is really I funny. I love Frost. Um, <laughs> what are you but, supposed to use, uh, man? Harsh language. But like, and, 
And then Hudson is just like, you know, I don't know if you're up on current events. We just got our asses kicked, pal. But then they just <laughs> really, I mean, they're smarter and they put up like better defenses and they're, they're like, they become kind of better prepared. At least they're like thinking about that they can get their asses kicked. But then all that really happens is they continue to, and this is one of the things that, that I think gets added is not that the alien is unintelligent or doesn't seem intelligent and alien, because um, there are some things that it does do where you're like, oh, okay, like it clearly knew it was in, it needed to do something different, but they they become very intelligent in aliens. Like they mm-hmm. cut the power, you know. How did they cut? Yeah. How did how did they do that? Right? You know, there's a, there's a lot more of like, oh, there's more going on, and it does elevate the threat. You have the more competent heroes, like you were saying, it's, and therefore it elevates the threat of the aliens and adds you know, that they're intelligent and adds that they, you know, in, in the director's cut, there's the scene with the, uh, the automatic machine guns, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really interesting scene. I can, I understand why it was cut for the theatrical release. Actually, every scene that was cut for the theatrical release, I think was an intelligent move for the theatrical release, but I'm glad that that all got put back in because I actually really like all of it as somebody who already likes aliens. I enjoy the expanded you know, version. But I thought that scene, Same. that scene is as close as they get to a, to a win when they get down to like, they have like a thousand rounds or 2000 rounds of ammunition and they get down to like 10 rounds left and the aliens stop coming just yeah. to regroup, but they're going to get you, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's as close as they get to a, to a win, uh, which yeah. I thought was, which I thought was interesting. I think they really do elevate the, the threat level to, Tom, did well, you have also, any thoughts on kind of? There's oh, one yeah, one other like uh, in that vein. There's the, another moment like of of a, a momentary victory, like a, a fuck yeah moment, is when they're get they're loading into the APC, and the alien is like sticking its head into the door as they're trying to close it, and. Uh, Hicks like takes his sawed-off shotgun that we just got introduced to like a few moments earlier, and he sticks it in the thing's mouth, and he says, "Eat this." Pulls the trigger, blows its head off. It's like, all right, perfect like '80s moment, just like f- f- pump your fist in the air moment. But as a result, the acid from this thing sprays all over the inside of the APC, and it gets on what's his name, the machine gunner's uh, like armor and everything, burns his face. And so it's just like we, there's a price to pay even for that, which is so that that like that made the movie like stick with me in a way that uh, it wouldn't have otherwise. You know, it's just like you get those. That's also moments, one of like, those commitments to uh, to to being in that world. Right. Like the, that in aliens and, and alien, you know, in those movies, when those things bleed and that acid goes flying, there's a good chance you get hit. And if you do, like you're seriously messed up. And in, in Drake's mm-hmm. case, he gets killed. Drake, um, yeah. Hudson, Hudson and Hicks, uh, both managed to live, but you know, they're hurt. Hicks is really screwed up when it happens to him. Um, you know, Vasquez gets acid. Blood. There's a lot of acid blood. That when you think about it, but it's also not played at like, oh, look at this, the ass, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just played in a way that's like, it's just like, this is the way it's happening, which is, which yeah, I think that's what sells it better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, which and, is also, you know, I think we talked about this. Go ahead. Well, it's, a, it's an interesting thing too, because they were talking about how the villain, it's just like, they didn't want to make this 
this villain, this monster, invulnerable. It's just like that's like that that ceases to be interesting. It's just like well, there's nothing they can do. It's just like no, you can hurt it, but if you do, there is a price to be paid. Like the blood from this thing could eat through the hull of your ship and depressurize explosive depressurization. You all die anyway. You know, it's such a that is such a brilliant addition to the creature uh, concept is the acid blood. It's great. For aliens, what it added, I think it did in a really, really cool way. Like when, when someone says some of the same but different, like there's a lot of similarities but different. And, and they make some new rules. Like when she wakes up and it's been 50-some years in Aliens, mm-hmm. I think that was really cool. Uh, in Aliens, there's a, a robot on the ship, but now we know it's a robot. Like little things where, I don't know, a lot of the same things but just different. There's more than one alien now. It takes everything you learned in the first one and it makes it different enough where it, it is exciting. And then obviously there's much more action in the second half. It's like a, it's almost like a, it's a different era film. Alien 3, I think, subtracted from the franchise because it took part two. All of the differences excited me. Part three, I think I said it last year when we were doing it, like when they just like killed off everyone, including the kid and then like kill the dog. <laughs> and then like, I don't know, part three was just took away subtracted the fun it subtracted anything that made like hair stick on my neck and me me be like oh that was fun three just was wasn't fun for me i guess in the prison subtracted uh yeah wasn't feeling (laughs) i guess setting it in a prison (laughs) is sort of you're you're, that's a recipe for a more dour experience uh right off the bat but Yeah, I mean, and the the other like really obvious thing i think that aliens adds is the whole queen element mm-hmm. yeah. you know the, mm-hmm. the the queen and the egg layer which like we'd seen eggs in the in the first one but like it didn't it just doesn't occur to me or anyone else in the movie to ask like who's laying these things um and then i think it might be i mean look every time i watch aliens i have like a new favorite scene or three favorite scenes but watching it the other night uh like i love that scene with like basically no dialogue when Ripley's got Newt at the end and comes up, comes up on the eggs and sees the queen. Right? Incredible. Like every Incredible. single moment in that scene, I think, is so freaking cool and so well done where the, there's an alien on either side of her that are, like, creeping in. And then she puts the flamethrower towards the eggs. And then the queen, like, tells the other two aliens to back off. And you see them, like back away and it's like yeah and ripley starts to 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 slowly back out and 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 there's this unspoken like agreement like i'm not gonna burn your eggs and you're gonna let me and the girl go and then that egg opens up and that (laughs) little head quirk the little head i I don't know what to call that 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 little like oh you're gonna break it come on fine yeah and then yeah like and then she <laughs> blows everything to smithereens and there is no rational reason for her to do that that is pure unadulterated rage and not just everything that she went through in aliens but everything she went through in the first movie just comes oh, out yeah. right there because if she just leaves there's a thermonuclear bomb that's about to go off and wipe all those things right. out anyway so there is no reason right. and she's wasting all that ammunition yeah. She knows that. Like, we have seen her. She is pragmatic. But that is just, like, rage. And it is yeah. 
awesome. Like everything about how that it's, is acted, how okay. it's played out. Like it's so great, but it also makes that queen. It kind of makes you hate the queen because she betrayed that bargain. Like you're like, oh yeah, you were gonna, you were gonna stab her in the back. <laughs> like, like, like it's so great. <laughs> oh, it's uh, yeah, I love everything about that scene. Um, it's agreed. Yeah, it's just, but like, but yeah, the whole queen and the laying of the eggs thing, like, like that's great. And it's interesting too because, <laughs> excuse me, the director's cut of Alien, I don't think had been released, so I don't know how much. James Cameron and the other screenwriters. Well, the other screenwriters were producers on the, on the first movie. So they knew about like the scene that was edit that was not in the theatrical release. I'm sure where she finds Dallas uh, cocooned up. Um, but it's interesting that like, there's yeah. an element that wasn't even actually in the movie of alien that gets used to such good effect, um, you know, in, in aliens. So yeah, I think Aliens adds yeah. quite a lot. The other thing is is Alien and Aliens, I think, really cemented for... like, And I hadn't really thought about this for a long time either. Cemented what uh, spaceships look like in movies for, like, decades. Oh, yeah. They all look like those corridors, those grates on the floor, those pipes and the steam and all that sort of stuff. Like, that is just... That's all... It's all Aliens. Right? Yeah, like the spaceships, uh, the design, uh, and the guns. The, the, like yeah. the, the, uh, the yeah, pulse yeah, yeah, the rifle. guns are, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Hu- hugely, hugely me, influential for design. Let me introduce you to a little friend of mine. Gosh, <laughs> uh, I, th- that's another thing. Like, okay, so watching the, watching the, uh, the, the relationship between Hicks and Ripley in aliens is unlike any relationship that she has with anybody in the first alien. I also Mm -hmm. really love the fact that like Tom was saying about using like something from the first one, but different that she is so after her experience with Ash, she's so averse to a synthetic person that she has this like balled up, like hatred for Bishop. And there's, there are a couple of scenes in there where, you know, they're playing, playing it up. Like he, he comes across like he's a cold hearted evil thing, um, which is great only to have that turn on it. You know, the flip from what we had in the first movie. So yeah, that's, yeah. um, yeah. Love all that. It's yeah. great. Skid. Tom said what he was thought about alien three, that he felt like that kind of shrunk the franchise back. It subtracted some elements that have been added. Uh, what are your thoughts? I I've grown to appreciate Alien Three more as I get old, older. Uh, I was actually I was working in a movie theater uh, when it premiered, and I saw it. And I I guess honestly the one thing that I took away from it that I really didn't like was just seeing too much of the alien, just getting too clear of a view. And uh, you know I understand like they wanted to kind of make the point that you know this one of the things that they wanted to accomplish here was that and by doing so is like this alien gestated in a dog so it has a different sort of morphology than the ones that we've seen but it just it just didn't it doesn't look very good like with the stop motion and everything and just like getting real clear shots of it just detracts a lot from kind of the atmosphere i think that they usually were able to establish but I mean, 
like all of these movies, uh, it is incredibly well cast and the, the performances are great. I, I really like the setting, even though it is like pretty depressing of the, like the space prison. I like the, the culture of it is a, is, a, is a very cool, like kind of sci-fi, uh, kind of setting and some themes that you're working with there. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like it more as I get older, but, uh, it's still, it's definitely like my least favorite of the first three still. Yeah. I, um, uh, and I, we're, I know there are more questions to talk about alien three. So we can get into this. Like I am a bit of an alien three apologist. Um, but, but, and we'll talk about this too, but especially the special edition version of it. Um, the, the thing that I think alien three gets right is the character work. Like I really like what Ripley goes through in alien three. It seems, um, and I, and I like the commitment you know, again, that David Fincher had, uh, despite the myriad of problems he had on the shoot. Um, but like the commitment to the environment, the commitment to the story. And then, you know, there's none of that like wink, wink type stuff. Um, I love all of that. And I love, you know, like Skid was saying, I love the, that setting. The whole thing has this sort of creepy vibe to it. The, the double Y chromosome, uh, inmates are, uh, they're pretty intimidating. Like uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's a lot that I really like. The thing that I think works least well is the alien itself, largely because I think the special effects needed more work. Um, there is that scene you were talking about in terms of the imagery where the, where the alien comes up. And I remember seeing the trailer for that movie, that scene where the alien comes up next to Ripley and hisses at her and then like leaves. Like we're seeing that tra- in the trailer and i felt like before I even saw the movie, I was like, Oh no, the alien just kills her. Like, like it it would (laughs) never go away. Like it would, it would kill her. Why would it, why would it do that? Like that's dumb. And I was like angry going into the movie about that. And then it actually worked. You know, there is a reason for it and I think it's really great. And then I think they use the fact that she's got the alien inside of her. That's going to be a queen. Like, I think that that is used really effectively. Like, I think that's really cool what they kind of do with that and what that does to her. Um, so there's all of those things that I, that I like the, there's a, interestingly, the element that, that you were talking about skid about it, like being more representative of the dog. It's got the, the hind legs that are more like the dog's hind legs and everything mm-hmm. is, is an added element, right? It's not that it's not, in alien and aliens. It's just that we've only seen them come out of humans. So we just think that's what aliens look like. But there's this weird thing that happens that where it somehow like hacks the DNA of its host apparently or something, you know, like, I, I mean, I don't think they really get into the, to the science of it, but what's interesting about that is how that's used later in the franchise, which we can, we can talk about, but they use that very specifically in alien resurrection. Um, as sort of an interesting kind of, way to bring Ripley back, but we can get into that later. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I do like alien three. I had, I hated it. (laughs) I hated that movie (laughs) when it came out though. Uh, and I hated it because of the first five minutes. Um, I was so angry and I am not alone that they killed off Hicks and especially Newt that, you know, we were talking about how there's no victories in aliens. The one victory in aliens and the only one that really matters is that Newt is rescued. And to just have that ripped out from under you, uh, 
it, like, and so like, kind of like nonchalantly, yeah. it, uh, it just was like, it, I just, I was so angry that like, I couldn't get past that. Like the whole rest of the movie, like it didn't matter what it was. It could have been absolutely brilliant. And it is a fairly, like, it is a really good movie, I think, but, but I just couldn't get past that. And also I did not want um, I think that's true for me too, Skid, that I saw Aliens before I saw Alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things w- that I think is really interesting about Aliens is that I think the fans of, I mean, there's tons of fans of both, but I think the fans of Aliens tend to be more passionate than the fans of Alien. Um, like, yeah. And I think people wanted more Aliens. I think this is still true. I think fans today would want more Aliens then they want more alien. And I think that's just for whatever reason, whether it's the producers or whatever, that just, you know, went forward with the franchise, never quite understood that, that the popularity of, I think aliens is a more popular movie than alien is. That might yeah, be controversial. I, mean, I don't know. James but Cameron. I, I mean, think that's, directed, I think that's the case. James Cameron has directed three of the four most, most profitable movies of all time. So it makes sense that, you know, he'd be make a more crowd pleasing movie uh, than the first one when he when he was in charge. So, yeah, that, that it's, I buy it. And uh, yeah, I, it's uh, I, I certainly wanted more <laughs> aliens at the time. But uh, right. It, it, it does sort of shrink the threat back down. Right. I mean, it's we're back to one alien. The 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 the, um, the inmates don't have weapons, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, everything that you were saying about how the second one, you have a more competent, um, fighting force against them. And then therefore the aliens become more threatening that gets kind of reduced in alien three. And it's interesting because all the things that like most of the things I like about alien three, and there's a lot in there to like, really are like the alien is, is off to the side. <laughs> Of <laughs> the things yeah. that I like the most about that movie, but I do really like that movie. I love some of the characters in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from a franchise perspective, it kind of it, it shrinks it back down in a way that's you know you you could go back, you could do a fourth one where you know you go back towards aliens and you know whether it's the military or whatever. But it's it's interesting. It does feel like it contracts the the world a bit more. Yeah, it actually it would have been the thematically it might have been more suited to being inserted between alien and aliens like if you if 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 it it might have served better as a stepping stone from the first movie to to that to to aliens than it does like as a follow-up to aliens yeah it's interesting that you say that because i was literally when we were talking earlier uh, today on this (laughs) while we were talking today i had that same thought of like oh if you didn't have aliens, alien three would makes a really good sequel because it eliminates the, uh, the, the, the decision about killing off Hicks and Newt, Right. Right. Um, and right. it doesn't shrink anything back down. Like, like it is actually kind of a, it becomes bigger because the stakes for Ripley are a little bit, um, higher cause she's got the thing inside yeah. of her and stuff. Like it does, like it would make a really good part two, but at the same time, you also need part two to like understand what the queen is and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. but I see what you're saying for sure. 
I think if, like, in a perfect world, I think it would have made Aliens better, too. I think it would have made that movie even better, like, to have that sort of intermediary story between the two. Just kind of, like, the sl- more slowly kind of ramping it up uh, to make to make that. It would have, I think, maybe made those moments in Aliens, like when Ripley is just, like, tearing apart the, the Queen's brood. It would have made it even even that much more satisfying to have that other story like in between. Maybe, but yeah. Well, that's it for this episode of Franchise Fan Guys. If you're a Patreon subscriber, stick around where we'll talk about the development of Alien 3, what went right and what went wrong. Thanks for listening to Franchise Fan Guys. Alien, episode one of five. Please write a review and give a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Intro music by Tom Breifogel and John Harvey. To connect, visit FranchiseFanGuys.com, at FranchiseFanGuys on Instagram, and at GuysFranchise on Twitter. Franchise Fan Guys.